0: I'm Sharon Squassoni, and I direct the Proliferation Prevention Program here at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. And today I'm talking with Ian Anthony, who is Director of the European Security Program at the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute, or CIPRI. Welcome, Ian. It's nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, CIPRI has published, your institute has published an annual yearbook on weapons disarmament and international security. So just to kind of launch us into this topic of nuclear weapons and transparency, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the role of CIPRI and the role that that yearbook may play in discussion about security and arms control issues in Europe.
1: Yes, perhaps it's um, useful just to go a little bit back and, and look at why CIPRI started doing this in the first place. The origins of the exercise really can be found in the discussion on arms control in the 1960s. Sweden was one of a number of countries which was keen to be an active participant in discussions on disarmament and arms control, but found that uh, there was very little independent analysis and information out there that they could use really to challenge the information that was coming from the superpowers who had much more advanced and much more extensive national technical means. So you had a situation in places like Geneva where representatives from smaller countries would be presented with information by the superpowers, often contradictory of course, um, and they would be really in no position to make an independent assessment of the validity of what was being put in front of them. So the idea was to try and create a place where, to the extent possible, we could collect uh, systematically information that was already in the public domain. We have no privileged access to information at CIPRI and present it in a systematic way to try to help those who don't have their own independent um, means of of analysis. So that was really the genesis. And I would say that's still really a large part of what we do. CIPRI doesn't see itself as an advocacy organisation. Clearly we have a view that arms control has a useful contribution to make to building security. But we don't advocate for specific solutions. Usually we try to provide information and analysis which can be useful to a broad spectrum of consumers.
0: So we've spent the last day or so talking about the role of transparency in nuclear weapons for a variety of purposes, you know, strategic stability, arms control, disarmament. And one of the questions that came up was, you know, what do you mean by transparency? (laughs) What is this thing called transparency? So, in your view, how would you define transparency?
1: For me, I think it's important to differentiate between the way the word transparency is used in arms control forums and the way that we use it in, in everyday language, including, in fact, in the academic and research community. Because I think there's an important distinction when it's used in the context of specific processes. For me, transparency means the voluntary declaration by states without a requirement for reciprocity of information about, in this case, their nuclear forces, but it could also be, of course, their conventional forces or other aspects of their security policy. The transparency there is a voluntary act which builds confidence first by showing that you're willing to explain what you're doing, but also by putting into the public domain information that can then be used uh, as a basis for discussion. Often difficult for states, I think, to base their bilateral discussions on information coming from non-governmental sources, from academic reports, but information that governments have volunteered themselves can be the basis for a different kind of discussion. And I think this differentiates transparency from For example, other types of confidence and security building measures where there is an assumption of reciprocity. It's not voluntary. There's a political commitment to make information available, for example, in the context of the Vienna document in Europe. So I think transparency has a rather specific meaning there.
0: Just for our listeners, the Vienna document covers conventional uh, Yes, forces.
1: I, I use it as an example of a confidence and security building measure. The Vienna document is, is a politically binding commitment by states who are members of the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe to exchange a huge amount of military information, including data about spending, forces, military activities, such as exercises, information about doctrine. A lot of information is exchanged in the framework of the Vienna document. Mm -hmm. But this is a politically binding agreement where reciprocity is assumed and a certain amount of verification is built in. Transparency, as I say, is a voluntary exercise without an expectation of reciprocity.
0: So I think there may be a tension there between those who see transparency as a stepping stone or a prerequisite for nuclear disarmament, right? I mean, yes, we need baseline information. Eventually, if we go down the path of eliminating nuclear weapons, we are going to need confidence that they're all really, really gone. And yet your definition of transparency is, I think, a really good one, but doesn't come with many strings attached. So in the context of, you know, what's transpired over the last 20 or so years, we've seen a lot more specific acts of transparency. For example, the United States released a lot of information in the mid-1990s about its fissile material production. There were reciprocal exchanges of data under the New START treaties between the US and Russia, which doesn't fall into your category of transparency because those things were actually verified, but we still have a long way to go. What do you think are the most, the most important steps we might think about taking?
1: If you just take a step back and, and, and look at uh, the, the question you posed against the background of some things that we've seen in the last few years. I I don't think you will ever have a situation where you can base disarmament on transparency. Disarmament is going to actually have to take an additional step beyond politically binding confidence and security building to intrusive extensive verification within a legally binding framework. We have seen acts of nuclear transparency in the last few years and perhaps some of them could illustrate why it can't be the basis for disarmament. Let's take, for example, the transparency measures that the United Kingdom has adopted. We've had a decision to reduce the number of nuclear weapons in the UK arsenal. The Minister of Defence has come to the parliament and he's explained in broad terms what's going to happen in terms of the existing stockpile, the eventual scale of the reduction. But he's also been very clear that there isn't going to be a detailed explanation of how the reductions were accomplished. And there isn't going to be a verification. We're going to rely on the British sense of fair play. This will not be satisfying to other nuclear weapon states or to other states. In order to accomplish disarmament, there's going to have to be some verification.
0: Ian, thank you so much.